I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to this week's episode of the AccuWeather podcast. And this week, Ken and Andy, guess what we're talking about? Sports. Sports. Sports, My favorite thing. (laughs) My favorite thing. Yeah, you're a big big sports buff, aren't you? It's all she talks about all the time. It's like, enough with the sports, Regina. I know. You know, I I am the worst because with sports, (laughs) I mean, I like to go to games and see what people are ordering from the concession stand. (laughs) So you like going to the games, not watching the game at all. I am always distracted. Just and people then watching. I know, and something will happen. I'll be like, what, what just happened? I drive my husband crazy. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so we are talking about sports, and we're talking about how weather relates to sporting events, major sporting venues such as uh, Penn State, uh, Beaver Stadium, when they're uh, playing over there, 100,000 people in there. Well, guess what? Somebody's got to tell them what the weather's going to be. Absolutely. we got the perfect guest for it. Yeah, we've got two guests, actually. Uh, meteorologist Brian Weimer, who helps with their forecasting, and uh, meteorologist Dean DeVore, who also doubles over as the PA announcer at Beaver Stadium for the uh, Penn State Nittany Lions. Right. So they're going to be telling us about how they prepare the team, the uh, equipment managers, everyone as Grounds crew. Yeah. Spectators. Spectators, Spectators, of course. Yeah. Yes. So we'll be talking about that. Plus, we're also going to be talking about uh, kids in sports because, you know, there's a lot of athletic practices right before school starts. It's the hottest time of the year. My daughter just started with her practices this week. Oh, really? And and you know what? There's some dangers involved in that early season uh, practice. So we're going to be talking to a spokesperson from the American Medical Society for Sports Medicine, and she's going to tell us how you can help keep your kids safe at practice. Stay tuned. From our global headquarters in State College, Pennsylvania, it's the AccuWeather Podcast. Here's your host, Regina Miller. Well, thanks for joining me today in the studio, Brian and Dean. And, uh, you know, we're talking sports and weather today. Mm. And I wanted to ask each of you a little bit about your experience because I think it's fascinating. Everywhere I go, people are like, oh, Dean DeVore, he's the voice of Penn State, you know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, okay. And I think there's a lot of people that would be really interested to find out how you got into your line of work. So maybe you, each of you can tell me a little bit about that. Well, I started in radio, sports announcing, and then kind of transitioned into weather, even though I was a weather weenie back in the day and gave... Uh, forecast to my fourth grade class with my own home (laughs) whether they wanted them or not right another story (laughs) for another day um you know it's funny i think sports and weather for me have kind of played an integral role and and hand in hand because part of weather forecasting is almost like play-by-play especially when we get high impact events and certainly my uh, experience with penn state i'm on my 30th year now of doing PA announcing for sports. It started with lacrosse. This will be my 19th year for football. And early on, not only was I doing the PA, but I was kind of the backup consultant for weather till we yeah. thankfully brought <laughs> Brian Brian, in. that's yeah. your role, right? Yes, this is the seventh year I've been uh, at the football games. Uh, primarily the concern is lightning, but any other uh, bad weather like high winds or heavy rain or snow uh, right. is a concern as well. You know, it used to be that 
when people talked about sports and weather, it was really about what was the weather forecast and how it would affect the outcome of the contest. Right. So for each sport, you would predict uh, certain things that maybe they'd want to know. You know, football would want to know about wind situations for passing and those kinds of things. Obviously, NASCAR needs to know if it's going to rain or not because yeah. they can't and drive golf. And it. Right. Golf and, right. is so uh, wind's really important. Right. Yeah. I think as it evolved over the last 10 or 15 years, now it was not only about how the weather would affect the contest itself, but how it would affect the people coming to and being at the sporting event. And of course, at Penn State for a football game, we have you know, 100,000 people in the stadium, but probably right. another 50, 60,000 outside right. in that concentrated area. And, you know, up until seven years ago, I would be the guy that they come to and say, yeah, look at the radar. But it's amazing, Brian, how much technology has advanced this. And so it becomes somewhat easier for us, but more information available and we can uh, predict things better for the public, right? Right. The technology has improved greatly over the last 10 or 20 years. The radar is much better, and we have a lot more information as well with more rapid updated with satellites information. And so we can keep an eye on all that stuff. And when things change, we're aware of it much faster before it gets to our location. How early are they coming to you to find out what a forecast is going to be for some sporting event? Well, they're interested even during the week, mm. several days, three, four, five days in advance, okay. getting the forecasts. And obviously, as we get closer in, try to get more detail if there's going to be an issue potentially or not. And then the day of the game from first thing in the morning, uh, providing the latest information and updates. Right. We regularly provide daily a forecast to Penn State Athletics to especially their grounds crew that uh, helps that. And then that information, I believe, gets shared, too, with other folks. But, um, you know, some of the administration and athletics administration are contacting me or Brian leading up to the game, especially if they see in the news or whatever, oh, we may have a big uh, rain event situation. And certainly now more with these earlier games and it seems like we get more and more thunderstorms now in September. That's a, a big concern especially when you try to evacuate 100,000 people out of a big metal stadium like right. Beaver Stadium. <laughs> that's not something right. that's going to happen in five or ten minutes. You need time to, for that to happen. It's so far at Penn State, it hasn't happened. Yeah. But one of these days, yeah. it, it yeah. will. On wood. It's yeah. too bad we don't have anything but uh, plastic. <laughs> Our table's plastic. It doesn't yeah. count, Dean. Right. we got to go I find know. some wood somewhere. Mm. But, you know, Andy and I were having that conversation a little bit earlier on because, like, we were saying, Andy, you had mentioned, like, how do you get, how do you even get that yeah. many people to safety if there is a thunderstorm? Like so, well, there, where there are plans right. now, it was put into place right, right about the time we brought Brian on seven, eight, nine years ago about breaking up the stadium in sections. So the north end zone folks would go to this place. Uh, some folks would go to IM Building. You know, we have six or seven locations. In right. fact, there's some people that would actually shelter in place underneath the stadium. I think it's the east side, but. I'm the one that will have to read all those yeah. announcements <laughs> live. <laughs> right. And so, uh, yeah. I'm, and I'm, not have people be confused because you're really trying to disseminate this information and what probably yeah. if there was severe storms could end up being kind of chaotic. Right. It hasn't happened at Penn State. It has happened at other mm. events, football stadiums, college and pro, where there have been evacuations and they hold the, hold the game up for a while. Uh, but, yeah, it would have to be information disseminated quickly, verbally, I think probably text message and emails to at least the students that are on the university list to uh, get people. The other thing that I've always wondered is if the game is not held up, how many people will actually be willing to leave the stands and go to the shelter? Right. So, oh, there's, so there's two right. parts of it. There's the fans yeah. in the stands that have to be evacuated and go to safety, but then you also have the, the players and coaches and officials and everybody else that's on the field 
uh, at some point when it gets bad enough or it gets close enough, I'm sure they stop the game and those people go off the field as well. Who's making those decisions? uh, I'm not sure who has the final call on the game, if it's the game officials, and they, I'm sure, would take the advice of the stadium officials as well. Right, right. And, and what we're finding now is now with this uh, better radar and more lead time, and, and so we're starting to make some announcements, hey, there's some thunderstorms within the area Yes, about right. an hour away. We're going to keep monitoring the situation. So we start making those announcements maybe an hour out in some if we got that lead time. Right. You know, but that always is not going to be the case, as we've seen especially the Michigan yeah. State situation where the, the lightning popped up real quick in that situation. Right. If there's a line of storms, say, moving in from the west or north, you can kind of track that and time it pretty well in advance. When you get the storms that kind of just pop up overhead or very, very close, that's mm-hmm. when it's trickier as far as getting any kind of advanced lead time. So when I worked in weather at a TV station, I would get calls from the schools about commencements. Mm-hmm. And I remember being all stressed out because you, like, want to make the right call because mm-hmm. people really want to be there for their kids at the outdoor commencement ceremony, right. and they're basing on what you say. So I can't even imagine. So is it stressful? To a certain degree. I mean, it's part of what I do for my daily job here at AccuWeather is do warnings for that same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, it is for universities and schools and, and government agencies. So it's a wide variety of clients. So it's pretty much the same thing I do Monday through Friday. Uh, it's just a little bit different situation where you know your immediate impact is over 100,000 people. Yes. And, and you don't want <laughs> to say that. <laughs> you don't want to be the one that makes the call and says that there's going to be a thunderstorm and lightning and they evacuate the stadium and then have it go by to the north or fall apart. Right. And not Which get can there. happen. Yeah. Conceivably, yeah. yeah. I think the stress, too, is we're, we're all as meteorologists perfectionists in what we try to do. So I, I understand that. But I think what we always try to do is err on the side of uh, safety. And, and, and that's the, the we, we'd rather, I'd rather inconvenience you yes, right. than have you be affected by a severe storm or some lightning. Right. And, and Especially something as significant as lightning where right. it can be a matter of life and death. Right. Right. Exactly. So are, because you guys might know about this with all your years and working with this, are you ever consulted about like snow or mm. excessive heat or any of those things? Like, do they change the playbook? based on kind of what you're telling them like I'm curious yeah that was my that. question if you know yeah. like coach Franklin or somebody it, it well alters I mean, their game plan <laughs> I don't know if people change playbooks but I think they they certainly look at if it's going to be a rainy game they may have to run more on the ground and you know if it's going to be windy or maybe not wind. pass as much right so I think there's that but the one thing too is the weather in the stadium can be a little bit different than the weather around you know you could say well the winds are going to be out of the northwest it's 15 to 20 miles per hour, but then it swirls in the stadium. So does that information really help the the folks on the ground? They may know it's windy, but the direction may not be. So those are all things to – but I would imagine that people – change some game plans based on overall forecast. I've never had somebody come up to me and say, time the rain out so we know when to sit on the ball. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> See, that's yeah. what I was wondering. You would have to ask coaches, good. actually, well, how much faith they put in the forecast and if they actually make any changes or not. Right, yeah, right. That would be interesting to know, too. Yeah, because yeah, I would be interested in that. So uh, that'll, be, that'll be the next interview I uh, do to find out about that. And what was your worst weather scenario that you've had maybe at a game? Well, I've been actually doing the forecasting. It's only been seven years. We haven't had any uh, thunderstorms. We had a couple close calls. There was one two or three years ago in the evening game. There were thunderstorms Mm -hmm. in western Pennsylvania coming in closely, and they did kind of lift to the north and fizzled out at the last moment, which is what we had forecast. It worked out. There was another game right after, I think, the second year I was doing this, 
that the kickoff was at noon. The game got over a little after 3 p.m., and it was fine weather. It was dry. It was early September. But then a thunderstorm came right across the stadium at about 5 o'clock. So if it would have been a later kickoff, it might have been a. Oh, I, I stayed on. The, I actually stayed on the PA, if you remember, and was giving warnings because that was the best way to communicate to people around the stadium who were still there tailgating. Oh, that's you know, a that good there idea. Was thunderstorm. We've also yeah. had some scenarios where, especially in September, we get some tropical training of moisture, and we've had some flooding that has closed parts of like 322 down in the Susquehanna Valley, and that's been you know, challenging to try to communicate that to people that, hey, uh, you, the normal way you go home may not be the normal way you go home. So oh, we've, yeah. had, we've had that on a couple yeah. of occasions. And there have been other years. occasions where the game went on as scheduled without an incident, but the, the parking areas were adjusted because there had been heavy rain before and it was wet and soggy or there was heavy snow and they couldn't use some of the parking areas. Yeah, that Michigan game where we they threw snowballs. But and I, I almost got my Hey, when was that? Because uh, I was doing, was it a homecoming game? Because I was doing, um, when I was working in local TV. Yeah, so this is about 22, 23 years ago because it was before I do the I think the it was PA. a November game. Yeah, it was a oh, November. Okay. It was that November game where they brought people in to have to shovel the stadium out. And but there was still a lot of snow in the stands. Right. You were sitting with your knees up. In your <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking I was doing a homecoming game one year. We were doing it live over here, and we even had a tailgate segment where we were cooking. It was a mess because it was snowing, and there were— Well, that might have been that one where there was the October snow. Yes, the October snow, and the leaves and everything were still on the trees, so trees were breaking off all over the place. It was an absolute mess. So, I mean, because when you're talking about early season, you can either have excessive heat, you can have storms, or you could have snow in Pennsylvania. (laughs) Many years you have all those from September to November. Exactly. Yeah, football season runs the gamut in terms of uh, weather conditions from uh, beginning to end of the season. Right, exactly. What are some of the strangest questions that you've gotten that were related to weather? Something that you kind of just, you know, it never really left your mind. Did you ever get anything <laughs> like that, or did you ever get a complaint? <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I think you're held to a standard in some ways about your, your forecast in general. So I think we're used to that as meteorologists. But when the stakes are that high, when you've got 100,000 people, when you've got people that have spent a lot of money to come and to spend time and to watch the game, then you got to make sure that your decisions are right. So, I mean, what the other thing is, Brian and I, we sit uh, not in the same room, but we sit close enough together. And and so we kind of have a, a jargon with each other and we talk and 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 then sometimes like well what is you know you'll get a question what do you mean by that you know and so <laughs> so we have to kind of get it out of the the meteorological jargon and try to explain it to which is what um, Brian and I do every day to try to explain it to people so that they can understand and get away from the science and more about how it's going to relate to them and their experience mm-hmm. that day. Right. Yeah, well, I, I remember uh, a different situation where it wasn't precipitation but it was dense fog mm-hmm. in the morning and that created problems with the people with the traffic control. They actually uh, sometimes use a helicopter, and that was obviously grounded because they couldn't fly or see anything. And even there's cameras in different locations that they they look at for see how heavy traffic is or isn't. And even the fog was so dense in a few spots where they couldn't see much of anything even on the cameras. Mm, Wow. And that's hard to time sometimes. Is the fog going to lift at 8.30 or 9 or 9.30? Yeah, because it doesn't always burn off as quickly uh, or mix out the expression, uh, mm-hmm. but as quickly as what you especially as you get think it through it the fall season is kind of also the fog season. Yes, exactly. So if somebody was interested in going into your line of work that was listening to this, what advice would you have? 
Well, I think in anything in weather, I, I think you always have to find the niche that you're most interested in. For me, it was always been sports, so that kind of uh, always dovetailed. So if you can find, you know, if you love weather, you love sports, find a niche. Uh, I think sometimes it's just being in the right place at the right time. And if you're a meteorologist or somebody that's weather and, you, and you're, you know, around a major program or a major venue, you know, not just we talk about colleges and stuff, but a place like Pocono Raceway. I mean, they spend a lot of time on, on weather up there now, especially with their two events in the summer. So there may be at a venue that uh, would, would want that kind of Yeah, you could just try to reach out to them and just, uh, you know. Right, because the weather impacts all kinds of different events and, mm -hmm. and things. So there's always a, an angle to, to be worked on. Yes. And I kind of, the, what I'm doing now, I kind of happened on it by by chance. I was, uh, my stepson was playing Little League and I started talking to another father of, of a Little Leaguer and it turned out he was the guy that was in charge of the game day operations at Beaver Stadium. <laughs> and, and he's like, and course, hey, I got a job for you. Yeah. And, and they were looking for something more than... than more than, than me, right? Because <laughs> I'm a little busy. You're busy you know? on the game days. <laughs> he actually, you couldn't, at home, you were, if you're listening to this in your car, <laughs> Brian yeah. just pointed to Dean and said they were looking for something more than... Well, it would, it would get too busy. You can't do three things right, at once. Right, exactly. You're, you're and, not, I, and there yeah. were a couple of times that that happened. You know, yeah. there's somebody would come in, I'd really need a weather console right now. I'm like, you know, I've got a game going I'm on right announcing. now. I've got to say, first down, <laughs> right, I'm, stay, you know? I'm announcing a game. I can't look at the models right now. Somebody else is going to have to do that. So, well, uh, it's been great talking to you guys. Hey, our next interview, I might just want to, uh, I wanted to ask you real quick. Our next interview, uh, we're talking to a sports medicine person about heat-related stuff, like practices. And I'm just curious, did you were you guys in teams when you were kids where you had, like, those two-a-days or where you would have, like, hell week? Do you remember anything about that if you were? I played some sports, but it was more at the younger, like the little league level. I wasn't really involved in, once you got to high school or college, so I never really... In, had to do the all-day thing? Yeah, yeah I, I played football up until 10th grade, and then my band situation I was a better trumpet player than a football player so I, <laughs> I kind of switched over but I, I do just remember that and it seems like with the recent uh, you know there's been a, a few incidents and one just uh, in the last couple of weeks down at the University of Maryland yeah and so heard about that this is uh, this is becoming a, a, a big issue that uh, you know again I think that old idea that you know you just suck it up buttercup i i, I you got to be careful now because uh we see the problems that heat related exhaustion can can do and and kids are you know when i was that age i would probably wouldn't have given in to say hey i got to sit down and well relax, kids are never right? gonna they're never gonna say it with peer pressure right. and coaches right, and right. stuff like that right. so i didn't know if you had had like yeah, experience i, I like personally didn't but i think it's the responsibility of people like us and mm -hmm. people like coaches and administrators to understand and 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 make sure that they've got all the information they need and what what it would do uh, and what it can do and, and make sure that they're keeping up on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's our next interview coming up, so I'm glad that you, you had a little input on that, and I'm so glad you both sat down with me today. You're getting into the busy season here <laughs> now with football, so I'm glad you right took some time. Yeah, so I'm glad they could talk to us about it because I know they're busy. But, uh, you know, you got football. You've got, well, I don't know. What else going on this time of year? Well, I mean, right there's now, all you, kinds you of sports. you got soccer, lacrosse, field hockey. Everybody's getting ready for stuff. So a lot of practicing going on. And, you know, with high school 
college as well. You know, I recently talked to Dr. Caitlin Mooney from the American uh, Medical Society for Sports Medicine. And we were uh, talking about like the intense practices that you hit in August, as hot as it is uh, before school starts. And so here's what she had to say about the uh, so-called uh, hell week or the two a days. It's quite an intense beginning of the season. And it's important for coaches to keep in mind that not all athletes are coming into the season with the same general fitness level. A child that hasn't been practicing or might be new to the sport shouldn't be expected to be doing the same amount of time as well as intensity as a child that might have been doing a full summer of practices. Is that is that kind of some of the problems maybe sometimes with like uh, schools because it's kind of maybe could be treated as a one-size-fits-all in how the practice regime regimen goes? I think that can happen. I think it depends on the coach's mentality as well as possibly how long they've been coaching. Sometimes newer coaches don't think about what each athlete is bringing to the table, and they want you know to start off the year seriously or getting everybody in shape. But a lot of times I do see injuries at the beginning of the season. I also see... Um, injuries when there's a new coach because athletes might be very used to whatever the old coach does and then a new coach brings in totally different activities different intensity and you see a lot of new injuries so what do we need to know uh, going into this kind of schedule parents should be aware of what the coach's emergency plan is for one thing that can be really important for heat illness they make sure that the coach knows how to recognize heat illness, make sure that they have a plan in place that can cool somebody, make sure that they have hydration available at the activity. And you can even just simply ask those sort of questions. That's specific for more of the heat illness section. And I also think it's important that coaches don't punish athletes that are having trouble already by doing extra running especially in the heat or withholding water or cooling time or rest time because that can be pretty um stressful to the body well are are there ways to prevent problems in the like weeks leading up to the the practices making sure that your student athlete at home isn't increasing too fast so if they've been on the couch all summer they can't go out and run five miles, they should be only increasing by about 10% of volume or intensity per week. So a slow progression really saves them both in terms of heat illness, because you want to make sure they're acclimatized before they're doing more intense workouts, but also from overuse injuries. Is there some advice that maybe we should give our kids? It's important to tell your child that it's important for them to tell a coach if they're feeling sick. That way, if they're getting nauseous and vomiting because of heat, it's better that they remove themselves than go on to heat stroke. Same with concussions. If they feel that something happened, it's really important for them to feel comfortable talking to their coach. I know that depends on different coaches, but I think talking to your child before the season is pretty important for that, just so that they know that that's they have the right to do that and they should be doing that. Yeah, because if they have good communication with you as the parent as well, because I would imagine it's kind of hard sometimes for a kid to advocate on their own behalf because they're Mm -hmm. like, oh, geez, all the team's there and the coach is going to be upset with me. So at least I guess if uh, as a parent you have really clear communication with them at the end of practice is how they were feeling, how it's going, then uh, it's a good 
thing because I guess you can intercede on behalf and at least just say, hey, just want you to be aware of this to the coach. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a good idea, I I think. I know we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, heat-related illnesses. And, you know, one of the main warning signs I think to look out for, obviously, is to stay hydrated. Right. Well, you want to stay hydrated. And you know what I think? um, Here's one thing I've noticed. Have you ever been out on a really hot day and you start to get, like, a headache? Yes. And you're like, just like, oh, I'm just getting a headache. Well, now, one thing that um, I know, and we do this all the time on the network where we try to let people know, these are some of the signals that you're actually getting a heat-related illness. So if you start to get a headache or if you start to get, like, a little nauseous, Mm -hmm. sometimes Mm -hmm. that's actually heat. Yeah, and that's where you got to find shade, you got to get to the water you you need to get you know just get yourself cool right in a hurry yeah yeah. right i mean you uh, what was the thing (laughs) now this is not a good way to handle heat related illness but what was the thing you showed me about somebody putting lettuce on their head ken i don't even the first sometimes sometimes the things he shows me i'm like what i don't even know what you're talking about the first base coach for the miami uh, marlins at a baseball team um he goes out he puts a uh, a piece of lettuce he run, underneath he, his helmet. Underneath his helmet. Yeah. And then r- r- runs out there. It keeps him cool. Now, he says cabbage works better, but he only had access to lettuce for a game earlier this week. He does this regularly. Yes. Yeah. And it keeps him cool while, while he's out there. Uh, you know, <laughs> And coaching. he's got a little snack for afterwards. <laughs> he's got I don't a, know if I want to be touching that piece of lettuce afterwards. nasty piece of lettuce. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it apparently works for this guy. I don't know if any other Major League Baseball players are doing well, this. Well, I know what I'm doing when I get out of here today. <laughs> nice piece of cabbage. Um, Stopping by Joe's Produce Stand (laughs) and get myself a head of lettuce. So lettuce or cabbage? He he recommends cabbage, but he only had access to lettuce. Because he said because cabbage fits the head, the shape of the head better. You know what? I got nice cabbage hats. So, but uh, anyway, all joking aside (laughs) here, I I don't know about the cabbage, but so it's working for him. It's working for him. But uh, some of the signs are fatigue, uh, also muscle cramping. You know, muscle cramping. AccuWeather had a flag football team. Uh, a couple years ago, and I thought, oh, this will be fun to do. Right. And it was, we had, we were doing practice, and it was like August. It was around this time yeah. of year. It was one of the hottest days ever that I can remember. And I'm out there running completely out of shape. It just seemed like one of the hottest days yeah, ever. Yeah, it just seemed like running. one of because I'm just completely <laughs> out of shape. And I was doing, I was running, and I made a cut. Both my calves, both tightened up. I felt like I, like I was shot. And really? I just went right down to the ground. And then I had to drive home like 20, 20 minutes, half hour away. Oh you know, it was it was the most uncomfortable experience <laughs> of my life. So yes, hydrate. Hydrate? You know? Well, because, yeah. you know, like muscle cramping, especially if you're working out, you yeah. think all oh, this is just part of the workout. And it might not be. If it's a really hot day and you know that the humidity is high, mm-hmm. it may be a result of heat-related illness. That convinced me never to do anything outside. <laughs> that convinced that was you? It. Yep, yep, yep. And, and you know what? The flag football team was like, oh, thank God. They were, they were, they were like, thank God he can't catch, he can't run, he can't do anything. So, yeah. So now I'm the champion of watching sports on the couch. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, then you don't have to worry about the heat-related illness then. So <laughs> you're in the air, air conditioning. conditioning yeah. Um, the other thing, uh, like, okay, so if you go past that stage... The next thing would be heat exhaustion. So Mm -hmm. this is definitely something you want to keep an eye out for. So this is the point when you get to very heavy sweating and then clammy skin, like, you know, where the skin actually feels cold. So that is a bad sign. If you start to get to that, this is where you could turn things around a little Mm -hmm. bit. 
because once you get to heat stroke, so this is where you have uh, the, the, the body's cooling system just kind of quits working. Mm-hmm. So you aren't even sweating anymore. It's like dry, hot skin. There might be some confusion, um, shortness of breath. So, you know, this is just all stuff you can keep an eye out for, not only for yourself, but student athletes, you know. And then also the other thing I learned about was like older people – um, who are maybe golfing or doing mm-hmm. things like that that don't seem as strenuous. What my doctor told me is, um, you know, to be technical about it, I guess, you know, like when you're young, you have like that subcutaneous fat. It's yep. what makes your skin like like nice and plump. Mm-hmm. And, you know, young people look yep. that way. I wish I still had the subcutaneous <laughs> fat. But anyway, um, so what happens is it works as like an insulation or it holds moisture. And so the older you get, the thinner your skin is. Mm-hmm. And so it's so much easier for older people, even if the activity isn't as strenuous, um, those sporting events, that they can dehydrate quickly. Well, yeah. I mean, you mentioned golf. I mean, if you're walking 18 holes, I mean, yes. that's that's very strenuous, especially on a very hot day. Right. So these were all tips uh, that, that she gave us. These are some that we've, uh, you know, unfortunately, Ken, you yes. discovered on your own. <laughs> so some really good information from our guests, and we want to thank them for appearing this week. Now, up next is Elliot Abrams with This Week in Weather. Yeah, it's a brand new segment with Elliot Abrams, and this week he talks about the Colonial Hurricane of 1635. In mid-August of 1635, the Great Colonial Hurricane blasted into New England, a storm with furious winds and ship-sinking waves. Out of the storm came a famous New England legend, the story of Thatcher's Island near Cape Ann, Massachusetts. Anthony Thatcher, his wife, and four children had boarded a small coastal boat for the usually routine trip from Ipswich to Marblehead. Strong southwest winds slowed the boat, But as the hurricane approached at night, the wind suddenly increased out of the northeast. Caught in the merciless wind and bobbing in the giant wave, the ship was thrown against the rocks of a small island. The first to reach safety was Anthony Thatcher. After some time ashore, he saw what looked like a body entangled in the wreckage of the ship. As he came closer, he saw that it was his wife struggling to free herself from the wreckage. Soon she successfully climbed the beach. And there they sat, the wreckage heaving in the storm-tossed seas, mountainous waves from the screaming hurricane stopped only by this rocky speck of an island. As the hours passed, the weather brightened, but their moods darkened as they searched in vain for any sign of their shipmates or their four beloved children. They searched, they waited, all came to naught. A day and a half later, a small ship spotted Anthony and his wife and saved them. The tiny piece of land was named Thatcher's Island in memory of the tragic loss from the great colonial hurricane of 1635. Well, this season so far has been inactive in Atlantic hurricane. Eastern Pacific hurricanes have been active, but tropical storm rain has not extended far enough north to help extinguish the terrible fires in the Pacific states. The Atlantic basin has been quiet, And in many seasons, rain from storms of tropical origin have been major contributors to late summer rains for the Gulf states and eastern seaboard. And that makes the record rainfall in parts of the Middle Atlantic region this summer somewhat remarkable. The early week storm that affected the Northeast this week finally moved away, but more showers and thunderstorms that crossed the central plains in mid-Mississippi Valley at midweek were expected to cause more showers and thunderstorms in the Northeast, the same spots that have already gotten heavy rain, going into the weekend. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Elliot Abrams. Thanks, Elliot. And uh, next week, Andy, we talking wildfires, right? 
Yeah, because there's a lot of wildfires still going on out west and also a lot of hazy sunshine, smoky conditions, and also uh, poor air quality. So we're going to have an update with uh, one of our experts here at AccuWeather about what's going on with those wildfires. Okay, thanks. So tune in next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to the AccuWeather podcast, giving you the stories behind the weather, discussions on trending weather topics, and so much more. New episodes every Thursday. Just search for AccuWeather on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.